Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending us your word. We pray that as your word is taught, your spirit will enter us and you cause us to stand on our feet in every sphere of our endeavors. To the glory of your name, we pray for open heavens. We pray for supernatural insight. We pray for revelations. We thank you for what you are doing in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are about to start a journey. Bible journey. Who's in his presence? Who's in his presence? It's a year of great awakening. There must be revival. In our personal lives, in our church, in our churches, in London, and in the United Kingdom, and this generation. And when God is about to do something, he always looks for a man and then a people. All right, so God raises the people for a purpose. There's more to life than what you eat. Luke chapter 12, I think verse 24, 25, 23 to 20, somewhere there text talks about for sufficient unto the day, the evil thereof. Every day has evil in it. And he said, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to your stature? Like, see, verse 23 said, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Tell someone, my life is more than food. Life is more than food. And body more than clothing. So those of us who are focused just on working to get money, there's more to life than getting money. There's, there's more to life than that. All right, there's more. There's got to be more to life. And there's more to life than just what you wear and what you eat. After you wear all of it and you eat all of it. Well, have you realized that many people, when they become very, very rich and extremely rich and keep being rich, after a while, they don't even care what they wear. They don't care what they wear. It's, it's those who are just trying to get there who... But life is more than what you wear. It's more than what you eat. How many houses will you live in at a time? How many beds will you sleep on at a time? Do you you understand what I'm trying to say? So then, why do we live our lives as though the most important in life is what we get physically? Jesus puts it this way. He said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Luke chapter 16. Yeah, it's in Luke chapter 16. A man's life does not. He said, beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist. I think verse, no, it can be verse 15. Yeah. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So the, the more you get is not a guarantee to a better life. 
Luke 12, verse 15, he said, okay, take heed, beware of conversion. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So the things you have don't define the quality of your life. Most of us, our worry and frustration has a lot to do with the money we don't have. Money. Money. Many of the prayer topics are money related. And many of the frustrations we are going through are money related. But if you can switch and do a shift and make Put the first things first. Bible says that when you put the first things first, they come, it makes the other things get added to you. It happens automatically. Somebody's blessed. You can't be a prime minister of the United Kingdom and you are going for a conference um, in maybe UN, New York, or Switzerland. Geneva, and they say, sorry, there's no train or no, the planes are all full. That's not part of your problem because it comes with the office. The office will sort, you don't even talk to it. Your office sorts that out. So why is it that you are a prime minister now? You've left, left the job and you are making phone calls. Can you, between uh, uh, you and, and KLM, and which, which one is here? What's the cheapest flight <laughs> to New York? No, just get the office and do your job. The other ones are added to it. It comes naturally. So I want, I want to take my time to talk about the essential things of Christianity. All right, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. The key things in life and in Christianity, we got to know them. And these things, we, we watch this. We should never be tired of teaching them. We should never be tired of, on, of teaching on the Holy Spirit. We should never be tired on teaching on grace. We should never be tired on, on, uh, of teaching on praise. We should never be tired or fed up of hearing about consecration, about our justification. That's, that's, that's what this whole thing is about. That we come to church because we are justified folks. We come to church because Holy Ghost comes. You know, so we, this is, must be taught over and over. Last week, the bishop said, his title was, The Church and the Holy Spirit. Someone will say, oh, by Holy Spirit, we know all these things. No, you may know, but you see, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing. So you gotta keep hearing. Peter wrote to them before he died. He wrote in Peter, he said, I know you know these things, but I'm writing to you again. So that after, after my departure, these things will stick with you. Repetition fosters learning. All right. So it's very important. Some of us know some of these things, but we actually don't live it. And, you know, let, may I say this, brothers and sisters, there's a reason why God has allowed me and it's given me the mandate. I, you will not be tired, even if you are tired, I won't be tired of talking about justification, the love of God, forgiveness of sins, and getting out of your sins. How yeah. are we tired of that? Because you can't be coming to church and still living normal, the way you have been living. You can't be, you can't be, be you are, at least, I mean, you can't be coming, you can't
can be a Christian and nothing has really changed. We have to teach in love. Because I said the other time, and I'm saying it again, there are people who are seated here. Maybe your leg is caught in something. And it's, it's actually eating you. You're not happy with it. But sometimes when the word of God comes, the power of God hits your sister. You feel like, ah, I'm fed up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? First Peter chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercies, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What are we being begotten into? A living hope. A living hope. Okay. A living, when you read it, I think the other version uses a lively hope. It's begotten us again into a living hope. We've been begotten. You know what it means to be begotten? It's like you've been born. That's where this whole born again yeah. comes from. All right. So he, we've been begotten again into a living hope. A hope that is alive. We've been begotten when we are in Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it talks about how as many, for as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Right? So as many as believe in him, he gave them the right to become the sons of God. He gave them the right to become the children of God. The King James said, sons of God. So, um, children are born. All right, we, we start as children. We are born into God's family. So, in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, there is the need for you and I to be born again. Let's all say born again. Born again. So every human being must be born again. Why? Because, listen to this very carefully. Some of us know it, but we will still say it. It's very important. Because God created Adam and Eve. And then when he created them, he told them that, just love, willingly love me. Okay. He didn't force them into submission. He didn't force them into love. He, he created them with free will. All right. Free will, and he gave them the uh, free choice, the freedom of choice. Okay, so you can choose whatever. There are varieties of so many things I've created. Just choose whatever and enjoy it. And he said there's only one in spite of all the whatevers you have, don't touch this one. Because he wanted them to exercise their will to obey him, even if it was inconvenient. Right? So some people will ask, but why did God put the tree there? If he didn't, if God had not put the tree there, they wouldn't have sinned. And wouldn't have been in this problem. Satan wouldn't have tempted them. That's what people may say. But it doesn't complete the story. Because God created us as objects of love. 
so that he wanted us to use our own free will to choose to love him so that he didn't, doesn't have to look like a force. Some of you, if you had your own free will, you would have chosen the family you would have been born in. Yeah. Many people would have wanted to choose. Choose different mother, different father. And I know what some people are thinking about. They would have chosen to be born in the uh, royal family. <laughs> so, you see, you don't know. Some of them to wish they were born as normal. Rich man envy, poor man, poor man envy the rich. Therefore, what is the sense in envy? Some of you know that song. Life in this world is a great struggle for both the young and old. And even those who have great riches have troubles of their own. Rich men envy, poor men, poor men envy the rich. Oh, therefore, what is the sense in envy? So it's very important to realize that God wanted us to use our own free will to choose. So the issue of Adam was not he was trying to tempt Adam. All right. But he wanted Adam to use his own free will to say, I will obey God. And Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Verse 12. Let's all read it out loud from the screen. Please, can you put it on the screen for us? Let's read. Let's go. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Did you see that? How many people sinned in the beginning? No, how many? Uh, uh, just as one man, sin entered. Said, therefore, all have sinned. It's very interesting. So this whole thing about sin, all have sinned, is not talking about what you have done per se. So even if you haven't done anything since you were born, you are a sinner. So a person is not a sinner because of what they do, but they are sinners because of what Adam did. It's as simple as that. So in the verse 19, I think verse 19 of Acts, sorry, the same chapter, Romans 5, in the verse 19, it talks about how for us by one man's disobedience, how many were made sinners? How did you become a sinner? How did you become a sinner? Oh, so you didn't have to do anything to become a sinner? Did you see that? That, that, that? That's the whole issue of man. That's the problem of man's sins. So man's sin isn't because you have done something. There is the, someone asked me in my office the other day, I said, good, that's a good student of the Bible. When you read the Bible very carefully, listen to what I'm coming to say. When you read the Bible very carefully, particularly in the book of Romans, right? Romans is a legal document. It talks about our salvation from a legal standpoint. How the law was requiring this and you broke the law and how you were free by the law and all that. All right. And Romans use, talks about sins and sin. So when you read Romans, you find out that there are places that use the word sins. And there are places that use the word sin, particularly from chapter um, 1 to chapter 5, verse 12. He practically focuses on sin. Sin. Singular. Then from chapter 5, verse 13 
apples, it talks most of the time about sins. So the first one is sin personified. Now, now read it, put it verse five, chapter 5, verse 12 again. Let me show you something. So you see this one. So uh, just by my one man's uh, one man, by uh, one man, sin and who? Who entered? Sin. Have you realized sin has been personified? Yes. Sin came in. Ah, who is this? It's like a personality. Right. A personality. So, what deals with sin? The sin personality is the cross of Christ. It breaks the power of sin. What deals with our sins is the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ washes us from our sins. But the cross of, the, of Christ that attacks sin, the, the person. Sin is a person. So in Romans chapter 7, it says that the, things, the good things I want to do, I cannot do. And the things I don't want to do, that I do. Therefore, it's not me. If I do the things I, Romans 7, 16, therefore, the things, if I do the things I do not want to do, it's not me. Okay, then uh, if then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. Verse 17, he said, but, not, uh, uh, but now it is no longer I who do it, but what? Sin what? Do you see that? Somebody is living inside me. <laughs> Somebody is living, it's like, 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 you know, well, something is inside you. And it's eating all the food you eat. <laughs> Did you understand? It's sin inside me. So, so now, where did this sin come from? Adam sinned and then he, he got the chance. So he was always around. And as soon as Adam sinned, he stepped in. He entered into the human race. So he says that, therefore, by one man's disobedience, sin entered. And sin doesn't come alone. No, no did he come alone? No, verse, verse, no, 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 verse, verse, verse 12. Verse 12, put, the, put it back on the screen, please. Verse 12, look at this. Let's all read it together. Let's go. Read it out loud. Let's go. To all men. Because all have. Did you see that? So sin, he has got his ally. Death is the class captain of sin. So as soon as sin comes in, ah, death will follow. Death followed sin. Oh, it's, we are going to have some exciting times here. Yes. Yes. Exciting times. I'll be, I'll be dealing more in romance. I'll be talking about sin and death to explain the thing and to see how you have been elevated to a higher plane. And so that where you are becomes your reality. You live from that reality. The realm of the word. It's like Jesus, the way you read the word, Jesus is talking to you and you live that reality. Now listen, the gospels were talking about what, how Jesus came in the flesh as God, but he never spoke about what Jesus is doing for us after his resurrection. The gospel is just historic account, which is very necessary because Jesus wouldn't qualify to save us if he had not lived. Why am I saying that? Because, hmm, oh, you see, we, are not, we have not just been saved, but we, for, us to, for you to be able to stand before God, it's not your, your debt that needs to be paid, but you, you must have the audacity, what it takes to stand before him. The righteous stands. So the law requires 
that there must be righteousness in you in before you can approach God. But you can't fulfill it. So Jesus had to come and live a physical life and accrue the interest of righteousness so that now when you ask your sins are forgiven, it's not just that he also gives you righteousness. Hey! <laughs> Shout hallelujah! So Adam sinned not because God wanted him to sin, but he failed the test. Don't say, okay, if I did not wait for Adam, we would have, no, no, God said no. The responsibility will not be here for Adam now. Because there's a door called Adam. There are two doors. Both doors are called Adam. One is called first Adam. The exit is called last Adam. <laughs> so that we all enter through first Adam. But you exit through, so if you still stay in the room, in spite of the fact that the room is so hot, or it's so cold, and you say, oh, I'm catching a cold, or something, the, the gas, it smells funny gas, and you stay in the room, and whose fault would it be? No, it will not be the fault of the door. It's your fault. Because, yes, the, you know, when you're going through some shops, there's a, a entry and exit. The entry doors, the automatic ones, they open when you get there. But if you try to exit from that door, it will open. So now, you are saying that the door is not open. No, but there's an exit. Yeah. It's called last Adam. Jesus. So Jesus is the last Adam. He's the last Adam, the second man. He became the last Adam. So by, via him, you can exit from this curse. So now you can't blame Adam anymore. You have to blame yourself if you go to hell. You have to blame yourself if you are going through hell. You have to blame yourself if you are not enjoying the goodness of God. You have to blame yourself for everything, not Adam. Because God has given to us all that pertains to life and godliness. <laughs> now, let me also say this. Because of what I'm teaching is necessary. I don't know. We are going to be teaching this for a long time. Because there are a lot of people who are going to be getting born again these days. And they must understand, they, they must understand that we are not in church to have fun. Life is a big opportunity to enjoy when you are in Christ. God said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. John 10, 10, more abundant. So life in abundance, he came for that. But coming to church is not just come and sing and dance and go. We sing because we are praising God. But we got to know the terms of our engagement. That's right. That's right. You must know what you have come into. Rather than that, the devil will take advantage of you. Yes. When do you know who you are? That's when you, you don't even have to always command demons. They will see you and they'll be running away. Yes. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So it's necessary to know who you are. Your identity in Christ. Bible talks about in him. That's why I want to focus on explain this thing. But before I go further, many people, there is this, uh, it's called, um, theologians call it de-mythology, okay? You know mythology? Myth, mythology. So to de-mythologize, you know what you mean? So when they say something is a myth, it's not real, it's fiction, they create it, all right? So when they say to mythologize something, to make it a myth, does that make sense? Make sense? All right. So, so, so to demythologize is to make it not sound mythical. Yeah. There's a difference between demystifying. Okay, when something is mystic, there's a difference between demystifying and demythologizing. Now, I want to. The reason I'm bringing this, people, you see the story of Job. Yes. 
in the Bible. They said, uh, people say it's, it's just, um, it's not real, fire is this. So they try to demythologize scripture because their minds don't get around it. The same with Adam and Eve's story. They say, oh, it's not fruit they ate, but they went to sleep. The Bible says it's fruit. When? He said they got, they, they, they went, they knew each other. They made love, so that's why God was upset. Now, but how would they have increased? That's how God created them. So it's, procreation, it's necessary for procreation. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah, so, but they try to demythologize scripture to water it down. So when Jesus was being tempted, they said it's not that the devil came in like a serpent. The devil is not a serpent. It's just something was his mind. He was having hallucination. The Bible didn't say hallucination. It says Satan said to him, what's your problem? Do you understand what I'm saying? So people try to demythologize scripture or allegorizations. They try to... read into the text, try to create scenes around the text, which doesn't really exist. Like Jesus Christ, he, he went there himself and he was so hungry, he began to see, how can you see the whole world on a mountain? Do you know what mountain we are talking about? I will talk about the Mount of God. It, they, 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 are, they are stuff. So if you try to allegorize that, you know, it's just, uh, he was trying to, when he said he has seen this, what he meant was, uh, the Bible didn't say that. So just, why don't you leave the Bible? Leave the, what the Bible say, is saying as it is. He said, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. What's your problem? <laughs> six days? Bible says six days. Why do you want to say, oh, it's more than that? It's, it, it, it's six years, but God has a way because one day he said, uh, he said six days. He said six days. Leave it like that. Now, in fact, whether it's 28 days or two days, how does he affect you? <laughs> Do you understand that? So what I'm trying to say is that people try to um, uh, demythologize scripture when it comes to Adam and Eve, and they say things like, oh, it wasn't a serpent that tempted them. It wasn't a fruit they ate. It was, they try to, you know, what I done. I'm talking, I'm talking about Christians, Christian preachers. But it's always safer, leave the scriptures the way it is, and try and understand what he's trying to say. Instead of reading, it's called asegesis. You read into the text. Don't read into it what he's not saying. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Why is Pastor telling us all this? It's because some of your counterparts who read, <laughs> who like reading, you may not, but those who like reading will come across all kinds of stuff. And at least you shouldn't be ignorant. And then when some of you who, who read, you read and you begin to discover things that there are a lot of stuff. Why is it that when we come to church, it's only receive, 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 receive. Now, if you don't know what the terms of your receptivity or reception is, you'll be suffering in life. You have said amen, amen, and nothing is working. It's because you actually don't understand anything. The truth is, I mean, most time we come to church, we are praising God. People think it's just dance we are doing. Oh, today we dance too. Hey. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The scripture that has affected my life big time is in Hebrews. It says that be followers of those who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. So before I follow you, I have to see what you have obtained through faith and patience. I can listen to how you are showing me. Because the Bible says I should follow you. 
By God's grace, when God linked us to Bishop, and we started feeding and from some of the other great men of God, haven't you seen Caris has changed? Yes. This is how Caris has changed. My papa, he's blessing you from his spirit. And since I caught that grace, and after I encounter with God, and I started blessing like that, you see many testimonies. Most of the testimonies we have in church is not because pastor laid hands on me. Yes. Because pastor said, yes. and the man of God declared. Yeah. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So, the, the people I follow, it's interesting, last week I was listening to Papa. Papa said that if you, don't, if you are praying and you don't get wild, sometimes you have to, he quoted a scripture, I forgot, he was saying that it's with a loud noise. Praying, loud noise, oh Lord! Look at Papa praying and see the results around him. I think I like the results, so let me follow him. Since the 92 days and this thing, haven't you seen the results? Yeah. Yeah. So if, don't, don't die in silence. Even if you die, make sure open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Is someone getting what I'm saying? I'm telling you. God sent me, and I'm your pastor. I want you. I want it to be well with you. If you listen to me, it will help you. And by God's grace, I, I, He has given me understanding into what we do. If you lack understanding, you may begin to say, this not, some things are not necessary. Some things are, let me tell you this. I believe in forgiveness of sins. Every time, by God's grace, we finish, we ask people to give their life to Christ. I'm teaching on new creation realities. And I live it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So these are the things that I undergird this work we do. It's very important. It's, it's, and I guess the work we do. I believe in these things very strongly. But there's one thing that I will not allow anybody to take away from us and tell, him, tell me that, oh, um, once you are born again, it's enough. It doesn't matter. No, no big one can be healthy. The devil is a, I won't sit down for sickness to just be hanging around your head and I say, it doesn't matter. It, it matters. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the full gospel is your prosperity is also included. So if they tell you that you have to suffer in life and it doesn't matter, don't believe God for a car. What is, what, how does he affect God if you believe him for a car? How does he affect him? Bible said, read your Bible. He said, if he did not spare his one son, but gave him to, why will, will he, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, 30, sorry, 32, particularly 32, 33, said, why will he not also with him freely give us all things? In what way does it glorify God if I can't pay my bills? Am I making some spirit? Yes. So we need to pray. So uh, much as we, we, we need to win souls into God. All right, that's our primary. God, that's the most important thing. And forgiveness of sins, we have to teach these things. It's necessary. And that's the, ba- the main thing. So we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. But it doesn't mean, doesn't matter, it doesn't mean other things are not necessary. You don't like dessert. Someone does. But you eat once and for all. (laughs) But someone will have starter and then first course, second course, and then dessert. Praise the Lord. So it's very important to realize that sometimes people in their attempt to try to sound very spiritual, very scriptural, will miss some basic things. That is the respect which makes other people and they themselves maybe victims in life. You can be born again, but you can be a victim in life. Please, you have to be a deep worshiper. 
You have to be a deep worshiper. But Paul told the man, you'll be blind for a season. And the man went blind. Now, I want results. You tell me that uh, you are so anointed, you can do what Jesus did and more. So you just walk by somebody say, come out. And the demons are coming. I'll follow you. Just show me by your results. He said, no, don't talk too much. He said, Jesus said, you look at what I do. That will tell you who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because most of us, we become so much easily, easy victim. <laughs> Papa. The man, at his, he doesn't take any medication. The man is strong. He said, I can't be sick. And for 20 years, he has not been sick. Very strong. Do you understand what I'm saying? And people, they, for, he just declared, you are receiving your child. If you don't have a child, receive a miracle. And someone who tapped into it, that who can have has been struggling with childbirth. Doctors tell your womb cannot carry a baby for for one and one baby for one month. Because the man of God declared four four quadruplets born on one day for nine carried for nine months. For, by that same womb. With a declaration, then these are the things that is about to happen here. Do you understand why I talk the way I talk? Because I have the mandate from above. He says that I, and I, I prophesied as I was commanded. The brother said, documents have been waiting for for months. It normally takes so, month, so many months. He brought the document, we provide it. Someone will say, it's not necessary. Why do you have to bring documents here? Why do you, you are bringing documents, all these things? It's just, it's just, you see, people will try and talk some things down. But to, to those who are, it's been sent to, and they connect, it's working for them. It's, it's giving them answers. Yeah, answers. I mean, look at the, uh, this young, young lady. Says that my friend was giving hours to live or something like that. One hour to live, and she, she prayed. Anointed herself, and the thing has, the story changes. Yeah. Yes, I want to say. You know there are people who tell you that anointing oil is not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. They best anointing oil, and sometimes she don't look too far. <laughs> don't look too far. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody to understand this thing. So that's why it's my responsibility. God told me a few weeks ago to teach on new creation realities. So someone, because it's a, it's a season of great awakening. New, cre say new, creation. new creation. So I was trying to explain why the new creation is ne important, is necessary. Why do we need to be born again? Because Adam sinned. And because of Adam's sin, he plunged us all into sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that, for all have sinned and are falling short of the glory. How many have sinned? How many? And then when you sin, what happens to you? Fall short of God's glory. You fall short of God's glory. So we look at you and we can tell in your life that things are not working the way you should. We can tell. The, the glory, the honor that God created us with, we are missing it because of the sin problem. The sin problem is a big problem. If you are here, you are not born again, you are listening to me, you are not born again. You, the, the sin problem is a big, a, a big problem. It's not a religious thing. It's not a religious problem. It's life problem. It's a life, it's a sin. It's like, it's a cancer of life itself. All right, so it's a cancer of your, your life itself has cancer. 
not sell, but the life itself. But thanks be to God for his goodness. All right. So now, when you get born again, because I've just explained quickly, why do we need to be born again? Because we're all born. So we were born into Adam, so you have to be born again. So you exit Adam into Christ. All right. Christ is called the second man or the last Adam. All right. So let, let me show you the scripture. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 15, verse 45. Look at verse 45 on the screen. It says that, so it is written, the first man, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam, you see where Christ is the last Adam? The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So Christ is the last Adam. You are in a new family. When you are born again, you are in a new family. So you are in the family of God. And these are the realities of our, our Christian work. When you are born again, you have been joined into the family of God. So your natural family, much as it can have an impact on you, right? Your spiritual family is a higher reality. But the problem is, the truth is, the truth is people are born again and impact from their natural family is still, is still manifesting in their life. Why? Because they have not been taught how to live it, activate the new man, the new reality. You, you, there's something you have to do. I'm working, but you have to work it. It's working for me, but you have to work it to activate your new reality. Jesus said you couldn't wait for, wait, staring with me in prayer for one hour, even one hour. I mean, one hour is the least. Long, there's nothing wrong with long prayers. No. Don't come and tell me, I say, our Father, who art in heaven, hello, brother. Uh, is it not two minutes? And after that, what again? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm telling you the truth. Jesus prayed regularly. Sometimes he would leave the house and go into the, far into the, be yeah. praying. And the Bible says in the days of his flesh, he prayed with loud cries. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Yeah. He prayed with loud cries. Hebrews 5, 7. For, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with what? Vehement cries and tears. <laughs> so even on the cross, he did that. Bible said he cried aloud. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Jesus was always praying. So when he comes into public, what he demonstrates is as a result of his intensity in prayer in private. So the demons see him, they begin to shudder. But you, you are not even praying that much. And then the little time you get to pray to, you are going to play a diplo, diplomatic player like a president. Mm, God, if it's, a, it's your will, just do it. <laughs> Prayer is petitioning. What is petitioning? Asking. You are making a request to an authority. There's nothing wrong in expressing your desire in prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, if you, have, you shall have what you desire in Mark chapter 11. So when you come to God in prayer, you express your petition to God. It's all part of our new creation realities. Prayer. Somebody's blessed. I am he. I said someone is blessed. I am he. Say it louder. Someone is blessed. I am he. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So why do we, uh, uh, I've explained the reason why we, uh, we need a new creation and what happens when you do I'm going to, I want to talk briefly about when you are born again, the things that happen. Or what has actually happened when you become born again, seriously. Number one, you, you like this. I want to clap for what I'm about to say before I even say it. <laughs> That's a big thing, man. 
When you are born again, you have what is called forgiveness of sins. That's a big thing. Listen, it doesn't matter what you have done. What God cares about is what he has done. You didn't hear what I said. It does not matter what you have done. What moves God is what he has done. So if you can align yourself to what he, Christ, has done, then what you have done becomes redundant. It becomes irrelevant to God. I'm not, take, I'm not saying what you are doing. I say what you have done. There are two different things. <laughs> All right. There are two different things. Some point you take advantage of Jesus for giving what we have done and think that because of that, I can continue doing. Because I will do it today and tomorrow it will become done. And then you take care of my done. <laughs> Jesus said, those who accuse you, where are they? They are nowhere. He said, therefore, go and sin no more. I also accuse you not. So there is a no more when you come to Christ. All right. So someone say, I have forgiveness of sins. You don't believe it? So why didn't you say? I have forgiveness of sins. Say it again. I have forgiveness of sins. And then um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. These are um, common scriptures. I want you to see quickly. Write them down. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. And then Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. It talks about in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So when you are born again, what do we have? Redemption and forgiveness. For, forgiveness. I'm talking about forgiveness of sin. The second one is redemption. All right? You have been redeemed. This is a serious one. So from that text, you can see that it says we have redemption. What is redemption? You have been bought back. All right? Price has been paid and you have been bought back. You have been... Some, someone has legal ownership of you and someone pays the price and brings you back from that wicked person's hands. Or the one who, who is not supposed to have you, but because he has the right, legal ownership. So redemption means that you have been bought back. Someone say, I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Redeemed from the, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. It says that, for we have been redeemed. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, all right? So we, we have redemption again through his blood, and we have the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, he said, he has delivered us from the powers of darkness, and convert us into the kingdom of his dear son. Then the verse 14 talks about in whom we have redemption through his blood. You see the word through his blood? You see the word through his blood? The agent for your redemption is the blood of Jesus. So he shed his blood to redeem you. It's very important. You have been redeemed. In um, Galatians chapter 3, chapter, yeah, chapter 3, verse 13. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It talks about how um, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It's a serious one. Nobody can redeem you from a curse. But when you are in Christ, you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. What's a curse? Curse is definitely, yes, the, the absence of God's presence with you. God turns his way, his face away from you. It's a curse. But that's what gives the enemy, the demons, chance to come in more. They rush in with anything. So your, your life becomes like a Rubbish down for demons. Hey, that's a curse. If you are cursed, yeah. if you are living under a curse, like your life is like a rubbish dam for demons, Satan and his demons. Everything they don't like, they come, they bring it to you. So when when demons are cast out, people they say, okay, there's an available one over there, the nearest available. 
Say, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. That's what redemption means. Redemption is you have been bought back. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but what? But you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. So you have actually been redeemed from the curse of the law. You have redeemed from the judgment of God. You have been redeemed from the, the power of the devil, right. Satan's hold. That's what it means. So anyone who is born again, it's not physical. It doesn't start physically. But you will show, you will see the effect in your physical life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. When you are born again, you should see the effect in your physical life. Yeah. You must see. Not just the things you stop doing. Because that, that is just a, that. The things you stop doing allows the communication with God to go smooth, uninterrupted. Right there, I mean, when I say the things, things that, that will not help your relation with God. But apart from that, the, the blessing of the Lord, it says that he has redeemed, Galatians 3.13 again, says, for he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? That it says he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, 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 for it's written, curse anyone who hangs, uh, anyone who hangs on the tree. Why? Verse 14 is the most important. That the blessing might come upon us. So he didn't just redeem you for you to stay around. He redeemed you so that something must come upon your life. God is trying to put something on your life, but there is, there is this thing on you that is not making his land. It's called a curse of the law because of our actions, because of where we are coming from, because of the conditions of our life. The blessing of God cannot rest on us. So first of all, you have to be redeemed from that state. So he redeemed us, not just for the sake of redemption, he redeemed us that the blessing of Abraham. Shout, I am blessed. I am blessed. This is what I'm talking about. When you are born again, what has happened to you is that you have been forgiven. Number two, you have been redeemed. Because I just spoke our blessing, let me do the blessing number three then. You have been blessed. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. I like it. I would like us all to read it on the screen together. Are you ready? All right, let's all read it out loud. Let's go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. What has he done to us? Bless us with every spiritual When did he bless us? When will he bless us? When is the blessing coming? He has blessed who? Who is the us? See, it's very important. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, and he's not a Lord over your life, you are not part of the us. It's very important. So once you are in the us, he has blessed. There is a blessing on your life already. Since when? When you became born again. He blessed, can I show you this as, as well? Galatians chapter 3 verse 9. This is all part of it, so let me just, Galatians chapter 3 verse 9. Someone shout, I'm blessed. I am blessed. Let's read it out loud, let's go. So then, once you have faith in Jesus, guess what? He, you are blessed with Abraham. So when Abraham was being blessed, he was not blessed alone. Your name was there. Yeah. Your name was inside. You were blessed before you were born. You were blessed before you showed up. Son, I'm blessed. Son, I'm blessed. When were you blessed? When he was blessing Abraham. When he was blessing Abraham. When Abraham was securing the blessing, you were there. Because it says that, so then those who are of faith, put it back on the screen, please. So that those who are of faith, so that those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. 
So when Abraham was being blessed, you were blessed with him. But just that if you don't come to faith, you, that blessing will never be materialized. So do you see how serious it is if you are not born again and you are supposed to be? If you are not born again, that means that a lot is wasting, going waste. Ah, I like this one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Listen, at every stage of your life, there is a blessing waiting for you. So if you don't get born again on time, and you say, I'll wait when I'm old and I don't have strength. They use this, they make statement like, when I finish, enjoy. Enjoy what? You enjoy what? You actually enjoy when the blessing of God is on you. When I finish enjoying my life and using myself the way I want, then I will, I will serve God. By that time, when you are 40, you are 50, you are 60, how much strength have you got to be able to really enjoy the goodness of God? When I got born again, when I got born again, I regretted so much. I was thinking, ah, this is so good. Why didn't I get born again far earlier? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I should have been born again earlier. Oh, no. I miss out so much. All right. So what I'm saying is that there is a blessing waiting for you to be married, for your marriage, for your first child, for your sake. Why do you have to finish having children before you get born again? Because there's blessing for all that journey. Where were you blessed? With Abraham, when God was blessing he blessed you too. So when you get born again, you activate it, begin to begin to work for you. Someone shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Listen, from this day onwards, if you are born again, don't walk in town feeling sorry for yourself. Even if you are, you are, you are, you are in between jobs, don't feel sorry for yourself. Even if you are in between homes, don't feel sorry for yourself. If you are not married yet, don't feel sorry for yourself. You are not one of those singles who are aimless and who are blessed, blessedless. <laughs> All right. If someone says, oh, you are not my kind of man, my kind of woman, let them know they have missed a blessing. Yeah. Shout I'm blessed. Amen. Shout I'm blessed. Amen. Shout I'm blessed. Amen. Shout I'm blessed. Amen. If you are not saved, you are not safe because life is dangerous. Life is not under your command. I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, pastor, pray with me because I want to have this bread. It means I want to put all my confidence in him, all my hope in him. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your genuine desire, just lift up your hand and say this after me. Say it genuinely from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I ask you, to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.